You guys are Team Airy. E R I. Oh, Team Airy. Oh, I was like, wait a minute, Airy. <laughs> I like it. Or Team Eerie for the Ooh, Ooh, spooky movies. Hey, Bubblies, and welcome to My Streaming Bubble. It's that little old podcast where I talk about the shows that I love with the people I tolerate. I'm your host, Jen, and today's episode, we kick off the third series of movie recordings, and this one I've cleverly titled, Now That's What I Call a 90s Movie, where Tolerable picks their favorite movie from the grungy, angsty 90s, and we talk about it. I am very excited to introduce today's Tolerables. I'm so excited I could scream. I <laughs> Please welcome Team Eerie. I'm thrilled to welcome back Best Good Tolerable, Eric. And my lovely podcast brain t- twin, Aaron. So you guys get it, eerie, E-R-I, and it's spooky movie season, and yep. woohoo. So uh, they are here to join me as we slash and sass our way through the 1996 horror movie satire classic, Scream. Hello, Tolerables. Hello, Team Hello. Eerie. Hello. Hello, Team Eerie in the house. Team Eerie yes. in the house. <laughs> so thank you, as always, Eric, for joining me today. And thank you, Aaron. This is the first time these two are meeting virtually, or yep. I guess any forum. Anytime. <laughs> yeah. 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 This is the first time we're seeing each other's faces. Yeah. So. Yes, ever. <laughs> yeah. All right, so Eric, you've already said hello and everything. And Aaron, if you want to go ahead and do a, your self-promotion and let us know about you and your podcast. Sure. Thank you again, Jen, for having me. I love this movie so much, so I'm excited to talk about it. Um, and I host a podcast called It's a Fandom Thing, and we actually talked about the entire Scream series last year as part of our Halloween celebration, so you can go back and listen to that. And we cover all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from the female perspective. So go check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms. All right. And you guys definitely should because uh, it's a great show. And I'm not just saying that because she has she lets me be on it. Uh, (laughs) Aaron's done some amazing like author interviews and actor interviews and stuff. Your uh, CDC is probably still one of my favorites. I loved listening to that. It was so good. The interviews you scored. I'm just like... a little fangirly, just like, oh my God. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, no, I, I was too. The, the Omar Epps one more than probably all of them, but oh, and, and, it, and D. Wallace, um, that was pretty cool. And you did such an amazing job. Oh, that's so. impressive. Yeah. Oh. Cool, dude. <laughs> Thank you. So, so, yeah, so today's part podcast crossover day since we've got Aaron here. Um, and so, yeah, as she said, we are going to be talking about, or as we both said, the movie Scream from 1996. Starring Nev Campbell, Matthew Lillard, Skeet Ulrich, Rose McGowan, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, and The Fonz, Unbronzed. It's available on Paramount+. Plus. You can rent or buy it just about anywhere online, or you can check it out from your local library. So, um, and then before we get started, I would just like to put out a call to other indie podcasters for their promos. I'd like to start showcasing other indie podcasts uh, on my show. So, if... Um, you have a promotion you would like to have incorporated, please send it to my email. I don't know why talking is really hard right now, but <laughs> you can go ahead and email that to mystreamingbubble at gmail.com, um, and I will let you know when your promo will be featured. But I just, you know, Potter and family, you know, Pod Nation, let's support and uplift each other. I don't know. I'm Ooh-oh. in a really good mood. So... <laughs> All right, enough of that. All right, 
So we're going to get right into talking about this movie. So this is your spoiler warning slash brief synopsis of the movie Scream. What IMDb says is, a year after the murder of her mother, a teenage girl is terrorized by a new killer who targets the girl and her friends by using horror films as part of a deadly game. What I say is, from one of the kings of horror, the man that brought us my guy Freddie K, comes the 90s fresh and sarcastic take on horror movies. So, all right, now, here we go. So, I want to know, um, Aaron, when was the first time you saw this movie and kind of your general thoughts and why you wanted to be a part of this 90s movie? I saw, it when it, I saw it when it first came out in the theater, so I saw it in the theater. I think I saw it more than once. I was actually living in um, Boulder, Colorado. It was right after high school, and my friend, my roommate, was working at a movie theater, so I got to go see movies for free, and I worked at Blockbuster, so all our entertainment was covered. And so I know I saw it more than once there. Um, and I just, I, I love horror. That's my favorite genre. So, and Wes Craven and John Carpenter are my two favorite horror filmmakers. And so seeing Wes Craven kind of back in this realm, in the slasher realm was really cool. And I love slashers. And I just think that if you are a horror fan of particular, in particular, this is such an essential movie for you. And it makes fun of, but also celebrates the genre in a way that is just, I think, beautiful and perfect. So, one hundred percent. All right, and Eric, same questions. So I don't remember when I first saw Scream. I really thought long and hard about this, but I know it wasn't in theaters. Um, I was in about sixth or seventh grade when it came out, and my mom. Well, no, she she doesn't take her kid to go see horror movies in the in the theaters, you know. Um, so I just remember that it was on VHS. Um, it was probably early in high school, freshman year, or maybe as I was about to go into my freshman year. That summer is probably when I uh, first saw Scream, and I remember that I watched it at my house. I do remember that, and I believe that my stepfather rented it from like Hollywood Video or Blockbuster or something like that. You know, and I, the way I vaguely remember it is my parents were gone. They had gone, ran some errands, whatever, went out, went out to eat, whatever. And I was home alone and that video cassette was in the house and I knew it was there. We had a nice, fairly large uh, uh, screen television in our living room. So I watched it and I fell in love. Not even two months later, it was actually Halloween. And I begged my mom to buy me the mask because it was, <laughs> it, was still, it was still on shelves. It was still yeah. on shelves at that time. At that point, it was uh, it was a heavy part of pop culture. So I got one, and I was super happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> I was nice. so happy, it, and I didn't know at the time that that mask, that at least the one I got, it glowed in it glowed in the dark. So that was kind of cool too. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, I, I have to agree one hundred percent with with what Aaron said, and I even wrote it down here that. The, this movie is so meta. It's un, it's just ridiculous. It's mm -hmm. so self-aware. It pokes fun in all the right ways, and it makes classic horror fans and new horror fans just tickle a little bit, you know? It, it pays incredible homage to the horror movies of the past while also simultaneously paving the way for the horror movies of the future, you know? I don't believe we the teenage horror movies that we have today and how they've developed today I don't think it would be possible without Wes Craven's vision of Scream. I just don't think it could have happened. No, I agree. 
I 100% agree with both of you on that. Aaron, I especially agree that this is like essential viewing for horror movie fans. And mm-hmm. um, they have no one has seen it yet. It's got to be in everybody's top 10 somewhere. It, you know? it really yeah. should be. So mm-hmm. um, I saw this movie in the theater when it first came out back in 1996 because I was a fresh 15 year old and I was like, I love scary movies, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and I loved this movie. And I remember that opening sequence with um, Casey and her boyfriend and everything. Mm-hmm. That I was shocked and disgusted, and I was all in at that point. Nice. You know, their whole their whole point pur- purpose was to kind of that misdirection. You know, like Drew Barrymore mm-hmm. was touted as like you know she had top billing and everything. So everyone's like, oh yeah, so it stars Drew Barrymore. And after killing her off, um, it really it really like kind of set that like uneasiness of anything can fucking happen. And that was their goal, I believe. And yeah. f- at least for me, they fucking achieved it. And after that, yeah. it's like I suspected every single person for the rest of the movie. <laughs> so I I loved it. I And I haven't watched it in a really long time. I can't remember the last time I watched it. So when I was watching it for the podcast, I was like, fuck, I forgot how much I loved this movie. And all of a sudden, I remembered rewatching it over and over with the with my friends and some of the different lines and deliveries we would always kind of make fun of and and recite over and over like rose mcgowan's like bam bitch went down like there's just something (laughs) about the way she says that that always kind of like drove me a little cuckoo but i also loved it so yeah i i i love this movie i'm glad that um you guys both had chimed in, said you wanted to do Scream kind of around the same time. So I was like, yeah, we're, we'll do it. So, and I'm really, really glad because fuck, I forgot how great this fucking movie is. So, all right. Well, you know, we kind of talked about, you know, how meta it is and how tongue in cheek it gets. And I, I really love that. I, I agree. I think it handles all the horror movie tropes and kind of pokes fun at it, but in a very loving way and it's still very effective way. So, you know, Eric, you kind of mentioned how it changed it for this movie kind of changed the standard for horror movies moving forward. And I completely agree. I think that it changed the direction horror movies can go uh, definitely for the better. What do you guys think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a huge horror fan. I, I, I could probably do an entire horror horror themed podcast and you know it would I I could probably have years worth of content to talk about but Scream is for me a movie that I will regularly go back to and and just like you said it's actually been a while since I've watched it which is a a surprise for me normally Scream is a movie that I'll watch at least once or twice a year and I don't think I've watched it since before the pandemic Um, so it, it was like, like I always say on the show, it's like a bit of fresh air, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's like, it was so nice to go back and just have that feeling of watching these teenagers, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, just going through what they're going through in this small town, seeing such a young face, David Arquette. Oh my goodness. It just drives me crazy how young he was back then. And just thinking about how far we have really come in the horror genre. I feel like in some ways we've taken a few step back, steps back in horror as well. But I think that's, I, I think that's really based on a, whatever your point of view is on the, on how the genre has gone with like new directors like James Wan, for instance. But 
shit, they're still making Scream movies. They just made like a yes. fifth or sixth one, like what, like two years ago, you know? Um, well, there was and... one that came, it was earlier this year that they released one that was just, was just that called Scream. Yeah, and then okay. they're filming another one right now. They're filming another one. So... And then... And then that the one that they're filming, that's the one that last I heard Nev Campbell Campbell was not returning for. Yes, oh, okay. because they will not pay, pay. her Ugh. the amount that they will pay the male that's actors. So she, she carried. I'm like that I'm like she's the reason this franchise she's still the, exists. That's it's like ridiculous. not paying Jamie Lee Curtis what she's owed because she is the one that is consistent throughout that franchise. Yeah, you know right. what I mean. Wow, how stupid is that? Oh, it's yeah, super it's stupid. So stupid. Yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous. So, so but, Aaron, oh, <laughs> oh, sorry. You... I just want to wrap up what I was gonna, what I was saying that we got into that. Fuck Hollywood, by the way. Um, <laughs> but what I love about actually about this, about there being another screen movie, even though they're gonna the series is moving on without Nev Campbell, you actually still have to appreciate how this is still kind of mimicking. The Friday the Thirteenth movies, you know, the 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 Nightmare on Elm Street movies, the Halloween movies, just film after film after film after film, you know, what started probably as more as a, a homage to those old movies by bringing in the sequels, now has become more of a cash grab, I think, especially if they're not going to pay their leading star what she's worth. But still, I think it is cool that they're continuing the franchise and kind of. Loving that tradition of the movies getting a little cheesier and a little worse over time, but still, that's what happens to all of these horror, uh, you know, all these horror franchises. So, Erin, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah, I think it 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 what it revitalized is the slasher film, really, because there were a lot of different things going on in horror, mm-hmm. and of course, you also had a lot of supernatural horror and stuff like that, which I also love. I love the paranormal horror, all that, and so it kind of revitalized that in a way. It you know, pumped new life into that. Not that you weren't still getting, you know, Friday the 13th type movies and and Nightmare on Elm Street movies and stuff like that. It just, I think it wasn't as much of a beloved genre at that time because it was such a staple of the 80s. And so once you bring it back, and especially if you have a master of horror like Wes Craven, who was Mm -hmm. just you know, who, who became a horror filmmaker by accident. It wasn't something he necessarily even wanted to do. And then he became that. And I think him being behind it and he knows the genre so well and being able to embrace it and poke fun at it and also know exactly what fans of that subgenre within horror like and want to see was essential. And I think it did change horror. It brought that back like you had, like you wouldn't have had like urban legends and all that kind of stuff going forward if you hadn't had this one. I do think, I think some people, I I don't necessarily know if I really agree with this, but I do think some people feel that if this hadn't become a success, we wouldn't have had torture porn. Mm. And I kind of disagree with that because I think torture porn is very different than slashers. You mean like Saw and Hostel, those kind of movies? Yeah, although Saw, you know, Saw is one you can make an argument that the first one is actually not torture porn. I'm not a fan of the Saw movies, but you could make an argument that it's not. Like James Wan is like, I did not intend to ever start anything like that. That was not what that movie (laughs) was about. And I think he's a fantastic director. But uh, but like Hostel and yeah, Mm -hmm. Eli Roth is, well, anyway. And I think, because I, I think torture porn almost ruined horror, honestly. For me, it did. I don't, I don't like that because to me, it's a genre that 
gets off on it in a different way than like slashers did Mm -hmm. so but that's an argument i've heard is that if you didn't have the revitalization of it with this that this is what essentially was the stepping stone that eventually led to the torture porn Mm. films and stuff Interesting. but it's not like a big thing i've just heard little murmurings about that and also a lot of people you know criticize this subgenre anyway and the way it handles um sure women and and the violence and the gore and stuff so Mm -hmm. yeah i i loved what this movie did for future horror movies and kind of you know like you said aaron breathe new life pumped new blood fresh blood into the genre um so it could be all squirty no (laughs) 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 sorry we were watching the adams family the other day and i hadn't watched that movie in a really long time and my kids hadn't seen it so the scene where they're in the play and the blood is all <laughs> nonstop yeah. shooting out. I, it still makes to still cracks me the fuck up. But um, hmm. so that's what got stuck in my head right there. Um, yeah, I just this movie, even though it's like you know, like I said, it kind of hits on all like the horror movie tropes, but it also pokes fun at it. And I think that moving forward, that really helped. That kind of perspective really helped, kind of keep horror movies a little bit more on the fresh side if that makes sense sure um Mm -hmm. and so i i loved it i couldn't believe you know like in 90 when this movie came out i mean how popular it was how big it was um i read something that it helped increase like a quote female more female audience members into the horror genre and i kind of rolled my eyes when i read that because i'm like i'm rolling my eyes at that big time (laughs) but maybe it was more just like more casual or you know like people that maybe liked drew barrymore and nev campbell but not necessarily horror genre fine mm. but i don't think <laughs> i don't know the numbers but i question how much of a boost they really got because like i said female horror fans have always fucking existed so well statistically they've always it's always been higher numbers of women that watch horror movies compared to men mm-hmm. you just don't hear that talked about as much because it's thought mm-hmm. of as a male genre and it's and even now it's still like it's still sometimes can be hard to find your place as a female mm-hmm. in the horror community and in the horror world but it is it's to and there's different reasons why women love horror anyway. Sorry. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, but I just, that just annoys me. That's <laughs> Well, it, it kind of made me think of like how more females tend to follow, get into like true crime or follow true crime, true crime stories, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to a true crime podcast a couple years ago where they were bringing, where they had brought that up. And then they just kind of like out loud wondered like why that is. And one of the theories they had come up with was that as women, I mean, personal safety is always like first and foremost in our minds and so in a way it's maybe like a way to kind of prepare or desensitize or something like since the threat to our existence is constantly present then however that's interpreted then gets pushed into like a following true crime like not uh, not an obsessive you know but you follow certain stories or something like that. You're more in tune to those kinds of things. So I thought that was very interesting. And even talking with my husband about it one day, he was like, I could absolutely see that, you know? So, okay. Anyways, enough about that. (laughs) Sorry. Got off on a little tangent there. So back to the meta-ness of the movie scream. So, so meta much aware, uh, fucking Randy's rules for surviving a horror movie 
are totally like my favorite thing. And the first time seeing the movie, it was like, holy shit, he's right. So <laughs> rule one, no sex. Rule two, no drinking or drugging. Rule three, never say, I'll be right back. <laughs> and, you know, so it's almost like now when you see those rules being broken, you get, I don't know about you guys, but I get a little excited. I'm like, okay. Someone's going to die soon. <laughs> Someone just had sex. <laughs> They're not going to make it. <laughs> Someone said, I'll be right back. They're not coming back. You know, so I really... get excited. It's like it's it's like a Pavlovian <laughs> experience. I know like, what you're saying. Someone says that, and you're just like, <gasps> someone's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, just in the last couple of years, they actually made a, there was a horror movie made that is all based around the fact that if you have sex, you're going to die. The movie It Follows. Oh, Um, yeah. I'm not a big fan of it. I didn't think it was that great of a movie, (laughs) but I actually thought the the idea behind it was okay. Just kind of failed in its delivery, in my opinion. But it's like, you have sex, you die. You better pass that shit on to somebody else. I I felt like it was a metaphor for STDs, but that was just... Oh, definitely. It definitely is. I felt like it was more of like an abstinence propaganda movie. (laughs) Don't have sex at all, ever. Or a a weird old lady is going to come and follow you. (laughs) I didn't care for that movie, but anyways... No, 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 no. So, Aaron, what about you? Do you get all Pavlovian Pavlov's dog at uh, <laughs> when people start breaking rules in in newer horror movies? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I think some of that's changed recently, so it's not always the case. I don't think, but but I but I do, I do, and and I think if it hadn't been for this movie, I don't think the rules would have been broken as much moving forward. I think it was kind of like, okay, this is pointing it out. Let's change it up some. Mm -hmm. So you'll have that. Um, And, and this, this movie breaks those rules, you know, I mean, (laughs) Sydney sleeps with him. So it's not like, you know, I mean, she's, she's not a virgin any longer. Um, And of course, you know, the one that started it all that someday Jen will stop breaking my heart and actually watch it. (laughs) Is Halloween, of course, started this, is the is credited with starting this, which was a total accident because that's the way Halloween's premise is, is it's all these girls who are horny as hell, and then you've got Laurie Strode, who's not, and just being the responsible babysitter. <laughs> and so she's, she's gonna be girl. the final girl. Yeah, yeah. So you watch all of her horny friends get murdered and that kind of thing. And 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 that was not at all what John Carpenter was trying to do. It was also, you know, that also was written by a woman as well so um but anyway i know that was kind of off of it but uh but i do like the meta and kind of poking fun at it and the stuff that even though you are um kind of programmed to after watching so many to expect it still is interesting when you watch this and you go oh yeah that does happen oh yeah that does Mm -hmm. happen and i wasn't even thinking about that and Mm -hmm. so then when the little things happen in here and someone dies or someone doesn't die, it's interesting to play with your expectations. So, yeah. you know, I mean, the biggest one, of course, is with Drew Barrymore, the expectation with her character. But still, I, 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 I liked the way it played with it. And I do think because of this, that kind of changed somewhat. Like you won't always have it be the pristine virginal girl surviving and being the final girl all the time. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I think it's because of this, this movie, but, but yeah, I do get that kind of, that kind of squee and mm-hmm. joy when I, <laughs> especially when you hear the music for oh, certain yeah. ones that have the music and you hear the music coming up and you know, eventually yeah, someone's going to be killed. So. Yep. 
Yeah, I uh, I love that they pointed that out, and I think you're right. I think because they pointed that out in this movie, the three rules, um, it really I think kind of had to challenge other horror movie filmmakers and writers to be like, let's not follow that. Let's make sure we change it up. So it was. I like how that moment kind of held that mirror up to horror movies, mm-hmm. and without being like, let's do better and be twistier. I think that was the end result of not following those rules per se. Sure. So I, uh, you know, when we talk about kind of that twist, that twist in the expectation with Drew's character, Casey and what we end up and who ends up being the final girl. Um, like I said, at the start, I, I loved that they did that with Drew Barrymore's character and everything. And I had read that, she kind of pushed for Wes to kill her off to kind of build that um, unsuredness of everything. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm so glad that they did, but it also in rewatching, it kind of reminded me kind of felt like a little bit of its own callback to the first nightmare on Elm street, where we're introduced to Tina first and then Nancy, and then Nancy's the final girl. So yeah, you almost... can go all the way back to psycho. Yeah. Oh, so, sure. So yeah, I really I really love that and I think the way they did that was also very fresh in a sense because you had these kind of bigger named actors especially for the time in this movie. So but um but with Nev Campbell being Sydney and the final girl, what did you guys Aaron, what did you think of Sydney as a final girl? I I love Sydney as a final girl. I I love her so much because I think she kind of breaks some of those stereotypes. She's not my favorite final girl, but she's definitely in my top five. Um, And I think, you know, she's so smart. She's so um, cunning in a good way. And yes, she doesn't, she breaks those rules of that. She doesn't stay the goody goody, but she still is kind of the pure one throughout no matter what. Uh, but I also like watching her um, in this one. I'll just stick to this one because I think her journey throughout the films is really interesting too and in her dealing with trauma and stuff and PTSD. But she's already dealing with trauma and PTSD when this movie opens with the fact that, you know, her mom was brutally murdered. Her dad is very, like, not really there completely. He's kind of checked out, I think. He seems like that to me. And so she's still kind of taking care of herself and trying to be strong and she's got this reporter who's basically trying to destroy her family. And she's having to be just um, strong on the outside when on the inside. I think she's really, really fragile. And she doesn't want to let herself break down and doesn't want to open up to people. And so I think, of course, when people start getting murdered, it's so re-triggering for her. But she doesn't want to show it. And her first, the first time she talks to Ghostface on the on the phone, that very first conversation is so interesting to watch because I think normally what you would have in a movie like this, if you had someone that had that much trauma and seemed a little vulnerable and a little bit like kind of like wounded and broken, you'd have her first be like very terrified of that phone call. And I love the fact that she's not. And she never is completely terrified she's scared but Mm -hmm. she's never completely like i'm gonna just totally show you that i'm completely vulnerable and just give up Mm -hmm. she's constantly fighting which you need in a final girl Mm -hmm. and she's constantly using her wits and her brains and and figuring out different ways to outsmart the killers and stuff there are certain things that she does that i'm like oh shut up like when she starts figuring out everything she's like you know what what did you use your you know with billy after they've had sex and 
well, who did you call? Mm-hmm. I'm like, shh, keep that to yourself. Exactly. Oh, I know. I mean, I was... it wouldn't have changed much, I don't think, but still there are those moments. But still, I love um, I love how smart and how true to herself she is. And she never really changes who she is, just the way she handles trauma throughout the whole series. Mm-hmm. But she never changes who she essentially is. And she's a really great friend and really great daughter and just a really interesting character who, even though she's got a lot of anger, say, towards um, towards Gail, she still has some compassion for her in some weird kind of sense. I, I think their relationship is interesting too, mm-hmm. but she's mm-hmm. one of my favorites. I think she's a great, great final girl. And Nev Campbell is is really, really outstanding in the role. All right. Eric, your thoughts on Sydney as a final girl? Erin pretty much almost took all the words out of my mouth. <laughs> she does that. <laughs> um, no, that, 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 that was great. Um, Cause I have to completely agree with everything you just said. You know, Nev Campbell as an actress is pretty much good in any role that you put her in, but you know, Sydney Prescott, the character is just, she, she, she's, she's an incredibly smart woman. She's very, she's very quick on her feet. Um, Like you said, you know, she's supposed to be a, you know, she's supposed to be kind of more of the vulnerable one. Um, you know, she, she, and she, and like you said, we get introduced to her after Drew Barrymore. And once within minutes of getting to know Sydney Prescott, we learn that she does have these traumas of her past, you know, you know, with her mother and this weird ass relationship she's in with Billy and just this strange group of friends that she has, which I have a whole lot to say about her. I don't know how that click got put together, but (laughs) it's true. They're such the weirdest group of friends, but yeah, whatever. Um, I think from the very moment she pops on screen, um, like when we see her at her computer, we know right away that this is our protagonist, you know, and this is the person who we need, who who we as the audience, we we want to be behind, you know, we want we want the, this is the person we want to have come out on top, um, and. Throughout the entire film, we just see her getting pushed in every different direction. You know, she was, she was, the character was set up to look like she was going to fail. But at the same time, there was always that she was also written to show that she is stronger than what she is meant, what she's, what she looks, how she looks, and based in anything like that. Um, and, you know, I see, I think she's great. I really do. Um, like you said, she's not my personal favorite final girl, but she is also up there in my top five. She's probably actually maybe my number two or three. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say because Aaron literally said like everything else. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, you're good. You're good, dude. <laughs> well, I mean, there's really not much more I can add to to that to either what either of you have said i agree i think she's she makes a really great final girl she's smart she's kind of on top of everything even with everything that she's dealing with and struggling with and she's being peer pressured by or getting sexual pressure from billy about just it's been a year you need to let it go that you're oh god fuck Uh, off dude mom was brutally murdered that's gonna last forever if i could just comment on that real quick yes the whole (laughs) after she after billy gets released from uh uh 
from jail or wherever the fuck they were holding, whatever. When he and her are in the hallway at school and he says, "What?" he's like, what? I, I, uh, I have a girlfriend who would rather think I'm a psychopathic killer than rather than touch me or some shit like that. Yes. It's like, dude, come the fuck on. Yeah. Even if you weren't the killer, okay, your girlfriend just went through probably now the most traumatizing experience of her life, at, life after her mother's death. Pro- and you're going to fucking bring up sex? Mm-hmm. Give he's, it a rest, Billy. Give it a just, fucking yeah. rest. <laughs> just spewing red flags, that boy was. <laughs> I know. I mean, obviously yes. we saw that everything that Billy did was all just to lead up to him eventually killing her, you know? And I think the whole purpose was is that he wanted to take her virginity so they could break the rules, you know? Or, you know, so mm-hmm. he could say he had sex with her and then he killed the virgin, just like, you know, the More rules of More like a trophy movies. kind of sure sure like a trophy yeah but you know what he only got half of what he wanted and um i'm sure to her it wasn't even that great anyways (laughs) (laughs) absolutely i could see being billy being like very very selfish like oh my you know expects her to go down on him but won't return the favor and then won't like go get a towel or anything for her like just really rude I mean, how oh, good yeah. is it if they're yes. sitting on opposite ends of the beds after they're done and they're getting dressed and they're just like, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're, we're cool. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know, they talk in that kind of tone. It's yeah. like, mm-hmm. Sorry, yeah, honey. That's really great. That's really great. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now, but if yeah, I was Sydney, I... I'd be like, you know what? I feel like you really are the killer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I I really liked I really do like Sydney as a final girl. I think she she's definitely up there for me as well. Top three, top five, not number one personal favorite. That goes to to Nancy from A Nightmare on Elm Street. But I'm not even saying Nancy's the best final girl out of all final girls. But she is my favorite. But I saw a lot of Nancy and Sydney, so I really appreciated that. And you know maybe that's just a coincidence because it's given the writer director. <laughs> but um. Yeah, I think she's smart. She's capable. I agree. She did do a few things that kind of, oh, my God, even rewatching it. Okay, so she runs up the stairs, and that whole, like, little bit about how she calls out horror movies, and it's always some big-breasted blonde that runs up the stairs instead of out the front door. It's insulting. And then she ultimately ends up running up the stairs because she is bested by a hook and, like, the chain hook on her front door, which I think should be an ad for those hooks. Like, look, when you're in a panic... (laughs) No one can get in or out. Uh, But then she runs upstairs and she's in an attic full of shit and doesn't throw a single goddamn thing. And I'm just like, there's so many, like, you know, Ghostface has got his arm through the door and like wildly swinging with the knife. It's an attic full of, you couldn't find one pokey thing, start jabbing the arm. Anyways, and then when she jumps out the window and she lands in the boat, that has always drove me nuts. Because there are clearly no seats in that boat. <laughs> I've oh, <laughs> so when I saw that part again, I was like, "That's right, that goddamn boat that doesn't have any seats." <laughs> but fun. other than that, I you know, oh, and then when she tries to um, contact nine one one, she's trying to slide into nine one one's DMs. Like it's nineteen ninety six. I'm pretty sure we couldn't DM nine one one at that time. <laughs> but that's so cute. Um. But yeah, I I agree. I love I love I really enjoy Sydney as a final girl, and um, it's a very 
she makes for a very like realistic, believable final girl too. I think with everything yeah. that she's dealing with. So sure, sure. All right, so we talked a little bit about Billy, but let's get to the baddies and the twists and the fake out deaths and everything, uh, and their and their motives. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, so Aaron, what did you think of the baddies and the twists and Billy and Stu? Well, I, these uh, no one else in the Scream series beats Billy and Stu as as the killers. Just it does. It, they just don't, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they are incredible as a team because one of them is a lot. You know, Billy is a lot more um, devious and really, really like. I think the mastermind, and of course, I think this is something he's felt in his bones wanting to do. Not necessarily even because of his motive, but since he was probably a little boy. <laughs> Um, and he's just totally a, a psychopath and, and I absolutely love Skeet Ulrich's performance here. And what I love is that, you know, when Skeet Ulrich did this movie, he actually didn't catch on that it was, that there was comedy in this. He was playing it as completely straight and like, mm-hmm. this is just a straight on horror movie. And that works so well because Billy is so out of like the loop of everybody else like he's never in on the joke and i think that is kind of essential even though they are playing up on tropes him and Stu, it still is kind of essential because even with their final showdown you can tell he doesn't give a crap about Stu. Stu mm-hmm. is just someone that's helping him so that they can be in two places at once yep mm-hmm. he doesn't care what happens to Stu. Stu is at, just collateral damage he for almost him. looked excited you know like when he was when it was time to get ready to like stab each other oh he was getting mm-hmm. off on he, that oh, oh yeah. absolutely totally he, just, he loved oh, doing that oh, yes oh. yes and so i think that's why it's so great that skeet didn't realize <laughs> and played it that way because it works so well like that and then Stu, oh my gosh i love love Stu so so much he's hilarious up until the end when he says did you really call the police my mom is gonna be so mad at me i think i'm dying here and the fact that he doesn't like his performance and he doesn't think he's very good is really heartbreaking to me because he's matthew matthew lillard yeah, he's like, really? I, I, he's like, yeah, he's been very critical of his performance. I'm like, are you kidding me? He he's so flipping good. And Matthew Lillard is was such a great staple in the '90s, anyway. Oh yeah, I loved absolutely. him. I mean, you got Hackers and Thirteen Ghosts as well. Yes, I mean, yes, yeah, and absolutely. Lots, yeah, and just whenever he would show up, he's just, I think he's so funny, and he he knows how to use his body really well. He does mm-hmm. the physical stuff, like his face and his mouth and everything. And he's just so funny. He's just, and I love them as a team because they're not both really ridiculously silly and they're not both ridiculously serious about this. So, yeah. And I love that Stu doesn't really have much of a motive. He just wants to kill and wants to join in and wants to have fun. And, you know, and of course, Billy's motive of, you know, mommy issues and daddy issues really too. (laughs) It's like, okay, okay. But I, I love them both. I think they're great. And, you know, I, I talk about what an ass Billy is, but I know me and I know me in high school. And this would have been the exact guy I would have fallen for in a second. <laughs> right? <laughs> Sadly. <laughs> that just that detachment and aloofness yes. and the hair. Oh, just yes. super, just so 90s. <laughs> yes. I would have been like, oh, oh, you're so amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, Billy. Oh, Billy. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and I'm like watching it like God, especially when even in the beginning when she's like, would you settle for a PG-13, you know, and she flashes him and then he's like, you're such a tease. I'm like, smack his flipping oh, face, man. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my God. Especially now watching it like in my 40s. I'm like, you did not deserve them titties, you motherfucker. <laughs> she should have pushed his ass out the window right then I and know. there. Boom. Movie over. <laughs> I know. Oh, that's too good. Oh, Eric, what did you think of the baddies and the twists? Oh, man. First off, that was a, that was a fan that was a, fan, a fantastic way to describe Billy because he's just. <laughs> I love that he didn't know. I love that I didn't know that he didn't know that. So that actually does for me right now at this moment really makes me appreciate his performance that much more, you know. And the yeah. way that he played off of you know just the just that comedic comedic effect that Matthew Lillard was giving and Jamie Kennedy was giving off and hell even partially that Rose McGowan was even given off too and David Arquette he played off of all that so well so basically oh, I can't remember his real name Skeet Ulrich sorry just yeah. just <laughs> forgot it for a second there he makes such a good sociopath and oh yeah i don't know what Sydney Prescott saw in him. Like they were two <laughs> well, me and me and opposites. Jen are like, <laughs> it's that like, '90s bad boy man. It was... I know. Yes, '90s '90s teens are trash. I have oh. a little note about that a little later, but we were, we were all the worse. We were just horny and angsty, I think. <laughs> but. Oh man, but yeah, I mean, and then you then you got Matthew Lillard, and honestly, Matthew Lillard is such an underrated actor in my opinion. Not just in this movie, but just in general, he's so good in almost anything I've ever seen him in. You know, and just him taking on this role, and just like you said, he he wants he's in this for fun, you know, and he he's just happy to be there. You know, he's like I'm killing people with my best friend who doesn't give a shit about me, but I can't really tell that he doesn't give a shit about me. I'm just so happy to be a part of this with him. We're going to talk about this for years. Yeah. <laughs> Twenty years from now, we're going to look back on and on it and just laugh. Just you know? how do you That's... remember? <laughs> Randy going on about his rules, but and then I was like, I'll be right back. Oh my <laughs> Remember Gosh, when my girlfriend got carried up into that garage door? <laughs> Good times. What a killer Good party time. that was. <laughs> and they're and in Billy's the suburbs. And they're like, like yeah. family. Yeah. <laughs> oh. But I loved it. I love them both. And the twist, I mean, honestly, I think even back when I saw it in like 1998 or 99, was it really a twist? I mean, come on. These guys, well, at least Billy, he's got killer written all over him. And I, you know what? And I don't think I was faked out when uh, Matthew Lillard pretended to kill him in the bedroom after they had sex. I was like, come on. There's not even holes in the shirt. But, right. <laughs> you know, and actually, it's funny. I actually kind of just noticed that now. I wasn't thinking that back when I was a teenager. Well, <laughs> and then even when Billy supposedly, like, comes back to life or whatever like regains consciousness after being stabbed up a whole bunch of times and it's like yeah. okay yeah there were no cut marks in the shirt which i also noticed yeah. this time around yeah right. but then it's like when you look at where he was supposedly stabbed there is no way he would have lived <laughs> he would have bled oh, out yeah. in that bedroom yeah. so easily easily mm -hmm. but i don't know i mean i think they make such a good duo though you know they really really do um and like Aaron said, there has never been in the Scream series a better, you know, team of killers that 
has been portrayed in the, in in in, the, in in this franchise and you have to respect no matter how far this franchise goes you have to respect where it started and who mm-hmm. those original killers were because they they set the bar mm-hmm. and even to this day with all the screen movies that have come out i still don't think that they have even gotten that close to matching how well those two performed and how well they performed off each other mm-hmm. along with the rest of the cast that they had to work with. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I love Billy and Stu. They are a great little duo. I kind of wonder, like, was Stu maybe in love with Billy? Oh, I think so. You think so? I think so, too. But yes. in, um, in this maybe. very, but, but in this very, like, Oh, Billy, I just wish I could be more like Billy and more yeah. like this infatuation. Yeah. In yeah. Um, but I was just thinking, uh, while <laughs> while talking about Stu and Billy, what about like a little prequel series of like like a young like Billy and Stu and kind of like p- coming up with the plots of like let's do let's be psychopaths together. <laughs> you know, that would have been a great way for them to take that Scream television series that uh, was put out by MTV. I mean, I would have loved for it to have been a prequel series. Yeah, that would have been, been better really than what we got. <laughs> Cuz that shit was trash. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that great. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> I don't even remember. I do remember like I think it was VH1. I think this was like during my peak of like trashy VH1 reality shows. Um, Scream Queens. And it was the reality show competition. Of... I loved that oh show. Oh my God. I loved never that saw it. Show. <laughs> I it never was, saw it. I, I entered myself. Doing, you did? You could enter yourself doing the Scream like as a side thing as a viewer. And so I recorded myself doing my best. Yes, that show was awesome. I I've loved never met anyone show. else who ever watched that show. <laughs> I just remember, like, there was one of the challenges, and they were kind of seeing, like, who would be comfortable, like, with nudity. And there was, like, the one girl that they really seemed to focus on. I can't remember if she won, but she had no problem doing nudity. So she's kind of in front of the table. She delivers her lines, and she, like, derobes. And the way that she's, like, vagina and kind of exaggerated. And then it's, like, the guys at the table were just more taken back at the fact that, like, oh, my God, she actually got naked. And they kind of <laughs> sat there for a second, dumbfounded or bonafide. I don't know, maybe both. Bonafide. <laughs> but That's it's like, the best word. But it's like the way that that girl said vagina and kind of vagina. like this dramatic overacting that. way. But it seemed to also fit perfectly within horror movies and, screen, you know, maybe going along the cheesier route. But... I fucking loved that show. Me of course too, you watched man. it, Aaron. I should have known. <laughs> <laughs> That's why that we're brain bad. podcast brain twins. Yes. Um, I'm reading about it right now, by the way. I, I've never heard I never heard of this show before. So I wish you could stream curious. it. You can't like Hulu has all these VH1 shows, but not this one. Apparently oh. there's a couple different shows called Scream Queen. Yeah, because there's is, the Ryan Murphy show. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this is specifically the v- the VH1 uh, yep, reality, yeah, reality, reality okay, show. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Oh God, I love that show. But yeah, Billy, Billy and Stu were great. I and yeah, I had read about uh, Skeet Ulrich playing um, the character Billy on more seriously, and knowing that going into the rewatch, I I loved it. I thought it it fits so perfectly, and it's that kind of nice balance of because you know for a while you really are thinking that it's Billy, and then they try to get you when Ghostface comes out and stabs Billy so then when he comes back 
I was kind of like, all right, you know, that's pretty tropey, no big deal. But then to find out that Stu was also involved and that it was a team and more or less like just bored and nothing to do and kind of wanted to see if they could do it kind of thing, more or less. Um, I really liked like the no motive motive, right? Like, yeah, Billy has his like mommy issue motive, whatever. But I kind of feel like that came in secondary to like he he's always had this kind of desire, this want to kill. Now he has the perfect excuse. Now he has yeah. a quote reason yeah. to to follow through with his um psychopathiness. So <laughs> and I agree. I, I remember seeing the second two scream movies when they first came out. And I just I didn't have that kind of reaction when the the killers were revealed. I thought it was it, like I said, it's very tropey, but it felt fresh and new, if that can in any way yes. make sense. No, sure. <laughs> so, all right. Well, let's get to some of our side characters real quick. So we've got Gail, Dewey, Tatum, Randy. So what did you guys think of our other little little group of folks here? Aaron? I'm- so, uh, so no, I totally fine. thought you said air, and I was like, <laughs> uh, well, Dewey is my absolute favorite character in the whole series, I will say, and and I realized that last year when I was when I was covering this. I Dewey is so oh my gosh, what I love about Dewey is I think there's some fake out stuff with Dewey, like yes, in the first one especially where you kind of are like, no, no one is really this kind of dorky and goofy and sweet and nice i mean there's got to be something else here right yep and i kept thinking there would be a twist where he was actually the killer and i also always thought and i'm so glad this didn't happen that in the beginning this film they were hinting at him having a crush on sydney because when he first is talking to sydney and he's like he seems kind of nervous around her like kinda, and i'm like please don't do that and i'm so glad they didn't mm-hmm. Um, but Dewey is just like, he's like presented as like, he doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, Dewey is the perfect name for him, but he's actually really smart. I mean, he like, Hmm. you know, keeps going, keeps going and he's so nice and he never, ever like, um, talks down to any of the other characters, especially the women in this film. Like he respects them and respects Sydney and, respects what they're going to do and he doesn't ever think like he's better than everybody else yes he's trying to show off for gail because he has a crush on gail but that's totally different mm-hmm. and i and david arquette is so so good in this role he's so sweet and he becomes like the most attractive man throughout the whole series because he's uh-huh. just such he's so genuinely himself yes he may say some jerky things every once in a while but everybody does but he's just so himself and he's so supportive and caring. And he's just like, he shouldn't be a cop in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> not because he's not good at it. I just think he's too good. But I love him. He's absolutely my, my favorite favorite. And I love Gail too. I really love Gail. I think Courtney Cox plays this so beautifully and i i watched friends so it was interesting at the time to watch her in this where she's playing pretty much a totally different character than that and playing kind of an ice queen but she's also like i think what it is is she's in an industry where as a woman 
you're not respected as much. So she's like, I've got to be this way in order to get to the top. And, but I think underneath it, she, what she really wants is respect. I mean, she even hints at that throughout this movie of saying, you know, she has that conversation with Dewey where she kind of lets her guard down a little bit. And it's like, I'm just considered like a tabloid reporter and I really want to be respected as a journalist. And I think she's hoping that somehow through this and revealing, you know, that Cotton Weary wasn't the actual killer will somehow help her a little bit Mm -hmm. um, in her career and give her more respect. So I don't think she's as, I think she uses that trashy ice queen thing as kind of a wall and kind of a way of protecting herself. But I, I love Gail and I love Gail and Dewey. I, I ship those two mm-hmm. really. I, I, they were the best. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I think it's great that they were able to do these movies even after they separated and stuff in real life, the actors. Mm-hmm. So I really like them. And Ooh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and Tatum's great too. I don't really have much to say about Tatum. Um, but I, I do like Rose McGowan's performance. Um, and I do like her. And I love Randy. I do love Randy. Uh, there are times when Randy, I don't know what it was about him. He kind of had that, um, you know, that nice guy trope thing where it's like he could do anything and it would be excused because he's a nice guy kind of thing, mm-hmm. which I kind of mm-hmm. worry about. But 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 I knew so many Randys. I knew a lot of Randys, especially working in a video store. Mm-hmm. I knew a lot of people that were just like that. So but I but I liked him but but Dewey will always be my absolute favorite in the whole series I just I I want to give him hugs I want to make him hot cocoa I want to just hang out with him I you know I just think he's just I think he'd be so much fun to go like trick-or-treating with I don't know why that's <laughs> my head but oh he totally would be <laughs> and Eric what do you think of these other of our side characters Oh, I love them all. I love every single one of them. Dewey is just great. I mean, he's he's the innocent cop who you who, who you want to have on, who who you want to have on your side, but at the same time, you also kind of want to distance yourself a little bit because you feel like he's just always going to be around you, not because he's hovering, but just because he likes being around. You know, mm-hmm. kind of like Matthew Lillard's character, but only not, you know, less murdery. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but 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 Dewey is just so much fun to watch, and David Arquette. Um, I I'm not gonna lie, I'm not he huge fan of David Arquette <gasps> as an actor. In my in my in my defense, I haven't seen too much outside of that he's been in outside of aside from Jen. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's not the first time she's given me that look. <laughs> and I guarantee you, it won't be the last. <laughs> yeah, no, plenty more judgy face moments. So. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You keep it up there, girl. I can't help it. It's my face. It does what it does. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he's just such a fun character, and he's he and like you said, he he genuinely is. He's a good. He's a good guy. He's a good cop. And you will rarely ever hear those words come out of my mouth. The good cop. So I really respect how this character was 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 written, how he was designed, how David Arquette basically perfected the young cop, you know, you know, you know, quick on his feet, you know, always wants to come in. He's rushing in to save the day, but he's doing it because he doesn't want to be the hero. He's doing it because people need help. And that's what he's there for. He wants to help. And at the same time, he's got that little, he's got his crush on Gail, which come on. I mean, how great is that? You know, I love the, I love that whole entire, you know, chemistry between those two characters. Courtney Cox played her role to perfection. And can I just say, 
that Gail Weathers' neon green outfit is basically everything that we love about <laughs> 90s fashion. It's okay? true. <laughs> that outfit just stands out more than anything else that anyone else was wearing in that entire entire uh, entire movie. I love it. <laughs> love it. And then uh you know Jamie Kennedy, Jamie Kennedy is just he he he's so fun to watch, you know. He he he's he's such a good actor. Um I don't really have a whole lot more to say about him other than that, but I'm glad he didn't end up getting killed in the first movie. I I was upset that he did eventually die, but you know it is what it is. Yeah. I think I think if anybody was meant to die in a horror movie, it was his character. So <laughs> <That's true. laughs> it is true. That's true. Uh, <laughs> and then um, Tatum, like you, I don't have a lot to say about Tatum, but Tatum was definitely my introduction to Rose McGowan, and I loved Rose McGowan in the in the late nineties and the going into the early two thousands. I went through this huge goth phase when I was in it when I was a teen and that was like my she used to date Marilyn Manson when I was younger, which we won't even talk about him, but still it was the idea of it. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. You know I know, I know. The idea. I, know. I just yeah, no, I agree, but I just that was funny, the idea. <laughs> So, um, and, and she, and she's a great actress too, you know, I mean, she was the reason why I fell in love with the movie Jawbreaker, you know, and it's because of Scream that I wanted to, that I wanted to see Jawbreaker because I really loved her after that. Um, and then she went on and did Charmed, um, and, um, yeah, just great cast of characters. But again, how the hell did this group of kids I know. become friends? Okay. <laughs> how because they're all so different from each other and it's it's cool that you know group of different kind of people come together to bond friendships but look at the way they talk to each other Mm -hmm. you know and and uh yeah but you could say that with just like any group of of friends in any given horror movie because you have your different like that's true your personality types you've got your good yeah you've got your slut you've got your athlete you've got your nerd um, and then when you're really lucky, you get your stoner. <laughs> well, you're thinking you, of Cabin in the Woods. You got clearly. your breakfast club, basically. <laughs> yes. You know, for horror, it's a horror movie breakfast club, but pretty much, yeah. Um, <laughs> minus the breakfast. <laughs> minus the breakfast, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, whatever. I mean, it was a good movie. It was a great, great cast of characters. Every one of them played their role perfectly. I have nothing bad to say about a single person in that movie. Yeah, I love, okay, so with Gail, I love bitchy Courtney Cox, and I was so glad that she got this role and we could see her something outside of the Monica character from Friends, because like you, Erin, that's really all I'd ever seen her in. And so I love bitchy Courtney Cox. She did a show, it didn't last very long, but it was called Dirt, and it was kind of like a dark, gritty, I think like a tabloidy. Yeah. Um, I loved that show, and she was bitchy, and her character was very, you know, girl boss bitchy in that. And I loved it. And yeah, I think it only went like a season or two. Um, But yeah. And so I was really glad to see. I really, I just, I loved seeing that side that Courtney Cox could easily play that kind of character. And it just, it comes across and so well received, I think. Um, Completely agree on Dewey. He is adorable. He is just the mm-hmm. cutest little thing ever. And he's <laughs> he's a deputy of this here town, ma'am. And it's like, dude, you're not even chief. You're just a deputy. But he's so proud of it. But he's yeah. like a cool deputy because then he goes into the party with Gail 
and he jokingly takes a beer from one of the yeah. kids. He's like, I'm just yes. kidding. Have fun. Watch the driving. And it's like, <laughs> 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 oh, I love it. I love but that. one of my favorite Dewey moments was he's talking, he's like talking to the chief of police or whoever. And the chief is smoking and it's that classic like, oh, I was going to try and quit. But this week, yada, yada. So during their conversation, every time the chief went to go pull a cigarette because Dewey's eating an ice cream, he would take a lick off of his ice cream cone. So if you watch that scene, every time the chief puffs a cigarette, Dewey brings <laughs> his I ice cream cone that. up. And wow, I didn't lick. even notice that. I was like, I love yeah. you so much more now, little Dewey. Oh, my God. It's like, and I'm not a smoker, but you know what I am addicted to? Sugar. Exactly. <laughs> And and I agree. I think there were some moments where they tried to fake us out with with uh, with Dewey. Um, and in the rewatch, for me, I kind of remember when he's like, he gets the call that there's like a car in the ditch. So he says to Gail, like, oh, let's go check it out. It's a nice night. Let's go for a walk. Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Dewey, so it was fine. And I'm glad because originally um, they were going to kill off Dewey, but Wes Craven filmed a second scene, uh, kind of a second ending where Dewey is not dead, just in case he had changed his mind and didn't want to kill the character off. And then in test screenings, people wanted Dewey to live, so he was glad he had had that extra scene. So after he gets stabbed in the movie, um, because he's playing it as the character has died, he does, his character isn't breathing, even like a, the tiniest bit. So I thought that was really kind of cool and interesting, and I'm really glad that, that they let Dewey live. Tatum, I always like Tatum. Uh, I think it's more about Rose McGowan and maybe having a little crush on Rose when I was younger, again, kind of leading into that whole goth phase and jawbreaker and everything. And, oh, like, outside of this movie, oh, her hair is, like, so black, and I always loved it, and just great hair. And so, but I forgot, you know, when she goes into the garage to get uh, Stu's beers because she's like, what am I, beer wench? And she opens the door. My first note was, oh, that's right. Rose's nipples are in this movie because I remember as oh, a kid, yeah. it was like, especially in the 90s, it was like, oh my God, mm -hmm. you can't let, as a girl, you can't let the world know that you have boobies and they have nipples and have them show through your shirt. So that was kind of like a really big thing, I think, in the, for the time. But, and then the way that she gets stuck in the doggy door always drove me nuts because I'm like, you can fit. You're just not pulling that second arm through. You should have gone in both arms first. <laughs> and then and then kind of reading some stuff. Um, because Rose is smaller, she could actually fit through. So she kind of had to be rigged up so she was in place so she wouldn't kind of keep falling out. But um, Do you either oh, of you ever sorry. feel like that Tatum could Tatum could have taken him? I think she could have. I think she could have taken him. All he had was a knife. She had so much around her where See, she could have taken defended herself. Again, these girls Probably, are in a place where yeah. they got all these things to. Th I mean, she does a good job throwing the beer bottle and everything. But I think yeah. once that, you know, once the reality hit that this wasn't Randy or Stu, and mm -hmm. you know, Ghostface cut her arm, then she was, yeah. you know, <laughs> no pun Panic. intended, disarmed, and was yeah. like, "Oh shit, this is fucking real." And panic then, yeah, panic in. sets in, and we all know when yeah. you panic, you make really smart choices. So fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, I really liked. I liked Tatum. I thought she was a good friend to Sydney. Um, I, although I didn't like the way she disrespected her brother in the station, and he's like, "You heard, you know what mom said? You're supposed to respect me when I'm in the, you know, in my uniform or whatever." I'm just like. It, 
I get the sibling rivalry thing, and maybe that's really what it was to show was that they were siblings first and not yeah. Yeah. you know law enforcement civilian. And you know, and that's fine. I, I get that. But at the same time, it's like when you love Dewey so much, you're just like, everyone be nice to Dewey, damn it. <laughs> oh yeah. She says like something like yeah. janitor's your superior or yes. something like that. Yeah. And then yeah. everyone's like kind of so mean. Get, it was so mean. Yeah, but who, but who, who hasn't been mean to their brothers or sisters? You exactly. know, <laughs> so. them. So, and then I love Randy. Um, I think Jamie Kennedy was the perfect, perfect choice for the Randy character. Um, I've known plenty of Randys as well. I think I have my fair share of Randy moments too, and I really just liked what that character brought in, and not just some comedic relief, but just bringing in kind of that meta of. The calling out the tropes and, and everything. I mean, and he calls it right away, even jokingly kind of in the beginning, but he's like, no, it's probably Billy. And he was right. Cause he watches the movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone listen to your Randy. If you've got a Randy, they're right. He about knows it. what he's talking about. Exactly. It's true. So it's true. All right. And then let's see. Um, okay. Well that kind of, gets through the big chunk of the outline do either of you have anything else to say about drew's character casey and the old switcheroony dooney um yeah i do um you know aside from the fact that you know one of hollywood's leading actresses in the 90s was in this movie and threw everybody off because she was a forefront on the movie poster Mm -hmm. yep okay nev campbell was it uh, what what was set behind her mm-hmm. so we are led to believe and i actually went back and watched the scream trailer the other day and even through that trailer nev campbell's in it a lot but i think we're still meant to believe that drew barrymore is going to lead this movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it is just so cool how as a leading actor in hollywood in the 90s you are willing to push forward such a good idea and sacrifice your character early on so other actors in that can basically shine. You know, I guess that's the way I, I don't know how else to put it because I don't know really how well Nev Campbell or really was known at that point in the 90s. I don't really know a lot of her work before Scream personally. It was, uh, it was Party of Five. It was like Party of Five. Yeah, so of she five. was on the show Party of Five, and then yeah. I think, they, I think cra- The Craft came out first, and then... Uh, and then this movie, because I had read that when oh, she okay. found out that Skeet Ulrich was going to be in Scream, she was excited to work with her um, f- a former co-worker. Oh, excellent. Excellent. OK, so 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 at this point, she's got a fr- she's got a fairly good reputation then in Hollywood and, uh, and amongst. Uh, and I think she's like starting to work fans. her way into movies like the craft because she's not the main character in that, but she does have a sizable yeah. role. Um, yeah, and yeah. then this really being maybe her first leading movie role i can't remember but i think it was like her as far as like big one and then like there was wild things came out i think after this oh yeah wild things right i forgot and then yeah and then she was also did some silly romantic comedy called three to tango or something around oh i remember hearing um okay yeah 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 but yeah um you know the whole casey becker opening it's just there's so much about it that worked out so well i mean first off the dialogue was believable you know if you look at it from a from a, from a teenager's perspective, you know, I think it was pretty well. It was very well written dialogue. Drew's performance was both. 
it it was it was riveting it was haunting in a way it was and it was just it was brilliant i loved the effort she put into only having less than 10 minutes of screen time in the opening sequence of this movie she put forth so much effort into it and just her death is it's her death is just so scary you know i mean the I, when you watch it now as an adult and you're just like oh god i would never want to die that way you know it's just it's all i can think about as it's opposed just... to when you're a teenager and you're like yeah no that's fine that's I a mean... solid way to go out that's a good way I'm watching it with the beavis and butthead perspective yeah like, oh yeah that's cool <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and just like the idea of like her parents coming home and just like the house is a mess and they run outside and they see their daughter gutted and just hanging from a tree it's just this opening sequence to this movie was horror movie gold. Mm -hmm. It was the perfect way yeah. to set up not just the film, but the expectations of horror going forward. And uh, Drew Barrymore, she 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 committed to it. She was she, it was she was beautiful as far as how her performance was. And yeah, I it, it's one of the best opening sequences I think in horror history in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Aaron, did you have anything you'd like to add in on uh, Drew's character, Casey, and the old bait and switch of Rooney Dooney? Um, I'm trying to, th I, I don't know if there's anything else to add on top of that, really. Um, I, I, I like, I liked her a lot. I liked the bait and switch thing. I think it's a very different kind of character actually for Drew Barrymore at the time to play because she was, and not just because of the bait and switch, but also because her character is very much like that, um, you know, popular cheerleader type character. And that to me doesn't seem like a typical Drew Barrymore character at the time. Sure. Mm -hmm. And then also just a big shout out to Drew Barrymore in general, because I just think, and, and I consider her a screen queen. Um, I know people debate that, but I think she's a screen queen. Mm -hmm. And she's she's just so... I, I, I don't know. She just loves what she's doing and she's been through a lot in her real life, of course, but she has such respect for what she's doing that she's never like, even after this, she's never like put down this movie. She really embraces this movie. She's never put down horror in general and she embraces it. And I, so I really appreciate that. That's a side note just about her, but I just think it's I, I appreciate that about her. So she's a very well-rounded actor. She really, she really is. No, like you is. could just throw a role at her, and she will make she will make it work. I don't think I've ever seen a Drew Barrymore I didn't like besides Never Been Kissed, just because I'm not into rom coms. I love uh, that movie. Not See, I made the face again. I made, we didn't See? even go like See? 20 minutes, and I made the face at, at Eric again. It's gonna happen at least <laughs> one, more time, one more time. One more time. Okay. <laughs> uh, one other thing I want to say about this opening sequence and then I'll be done is aside from Drew Barrymore, the killer Ghostface, this, this character made such an impact before they even came on screen, you know, mm -hmm. before we even knew who Ghostface was, before we knew it was a recorder to, to their voice, before we knew anything about Ghostface or even what the killer in the mat, what the mask looked like if you had never seen a trailer before the movie, I guess. Um, but still, just the way that they were talking to Drew Barrymore, the dialogue that was being used, just genius. So well-written. 
like you watch it now and you're like wow this this character this ghost face killer is just i i'm scared of this person before i even know what they look like before i even mm-hmm. know it's a person in a mask and a robe so mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. it's that well done yeah yeah yeah, I, I completely agree. So all I'm just going to add to the whole um, kind of opening scene with Casey is that, okay, so, okay, anyone that didn't know that trivia fact about Jason and Friday the 13th and Jason's mom certainly fucking knew it after that movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. Because <laughs> after that, oh, things do not end well. And that is a solid mm-hmm. opening um, opening to a movie to anything I agree it sets the stage of what to not know what to expect um, I think that I couldn't help but chuckle this time around because with the phone calls you know we have Casey talking to Ghostface and then Sydney has a fairly lengthy conversation with Ghostface how starved for attention are Gen Xers were <laughs> In the 90s, you're just going to answer the phone and then carry on a conversation. And carry and on a long talk. That's, that's a very around. good point. I mean, Casey's just wandering around the house as we did on our landlines, you know, this time without a cord. So she's not getting tangled up like the daughter in um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And it just, it made me, it made me, I was like, no wonder that was so fucking effective. <laughs> We're just like please, someone talk to us. Our parents have left us alone again. <laughs> That's true. And then when when Ghostface says to Casey about, uh, do you want to play a game? I couldn't help but wonder. I didn't look it up, but like, you know, for the Saw movies, that's obviously Jigsaw's main tagline. And I was like, oh, so I wonder if for Jigsaw to use that line, if that isn't a little bit of like an homage or callback. Maybe not. It's a pretty common phrase, but I just I thought that was kind of interesting, and I'm just gonna make it up in my mind that it, that it is. Sure, <laughs> sure, I can respect that. Yeah. All right. Well, I suppose it's time to start wrapping things up as we approach the Midwest goodbye, and that's where we spend another forty some minutes <laughs> trying to end this show. <laughs> so. We'll first start with the stray bubbles. This is the last chance to bring anything up that we missed. Scenes, quotes, notes, etc. Erin, mm-hmm. do you have anything? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, we haven't mentioned Kevin Williamson at all, and that's who wrote this and created this. Mm-hmm. And was he was so big in the 90s. I mean, of course, with Dawson's Creek and stuff. And so a shout out to Kevin Williamson, who I think even though he gets criticized a lot and I watched Dawson, Dawson's Creek. So he gets criticized rightly a lot about the fact that those teenagers were so like not teenagers, but I think he writes teens pretty well and writes characters really well. And you can tell he has such a love and affection for the genre and it comes through. So just want to give him a shout out, give the screenplay a shout out, which I know Eric mentioned that a little bit before too, but just a shout out to that. And then, also, and I know he does, he's not really big in this one except for seeing like footage, but I always want to give a shout out to Liev Schreiber because I love that man so damn much. And he is such a fantastic actor and he is terrified of horror movies, but I love that he was such an essential part of this as Cotton Weary. He's been in quite a few horror yeah, movies. Yeah, that's all. Oh, that's so cute. So that makes it even better. Right? Yeah. 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 Right on. Um, yeah, um, picking up where Aaron's leaving off about, you know, names we haven't mentioned. Uh, quickly, just want to uh, give a shout out to two amazing cameos 
in the in the film. Uh, Wes Craven, who plays Fred the janitor, Yay! which is amazing. <laughs> Wearing the sweater, so the hat. Fucking giddy. <laughs> oh, I love it. I loved it when I obviously when I was younger, I didn't know that was him. But when I found out, I've never unseen it. And I was like, that's great. I just love that he has a quick like two second clip, and that gets followed up by the man who saw him in the hallway. Henry Winkler, the Fonz oh, himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Hey, hey, and you know what a great high school principal I felt like he played, and such a, and you know, in a way, kind of a, kind of a role that was meant to be. You know, I I love that about him, and I don't know, I just love seeing Henry Winkler, even if it's just for a few seconds or a few minutes. It's just like it's good to know that he's still around and he's still doing things. Now, granted, this was. In 1996, and this movie's almost 30 years old, which is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you had to go and do the math on it. Now I'm making a face again, Eric. Damn it. No. <laughs> That's three. <laughs> they come in threes. Yep. Um, but no, I just thought it was really cool that Henry Winkler came on to do this role to play the principal. And just knowing that he got, s- s- got killed in the film was, I don't know, I liked it. And then seeing Wes Craven just coming in to say hi i thought it was really neat Mm -hmm. yeah i love it they didn't even try like they made it so obvious with the uh west craven as 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 fred the janitor uh, that fucking i think it was the the actual sweater like from one of the movies anyway it was a green and red striped sweater yeah absolutely well yeah but i i thought anyways i thought i had read that it was like at least one of the original sweaters from one of the oh that would have been so cool if it actually was i may have made that up but um i yeah, so I loved that Henry. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I love having the Fonz in this movie. I totally forgot he was in it. So when he, he showed up, I wrote like the Fonz really big in my notes. <laughs> and he is he is the sweetest person on Twitter. He is just, he is. just pure goodness. <laughs> and true. over the summer, he was on you know vacationing and he was fishing. And so he'd hold up like his catch of the days and he'd have like this big dorky like henry winkler grin on his face about the fish that he caught they were just so pure and just so lovely i was like i love this man so much and then when right before he gets killed off um and he's kind of going through his like the closet or whatever because he hears the sound or whatever you can see you can see the fonz's jacket real quick hanging up in the closet oh yeah that's right i didn't even know that that's cool yeah it's a that's a really fun fact so oh that's great um, so my stray bubbles, uh, as I had mentioned early 90 teens being the worst because when Fonz is dead, when they get the call and find, when Randy gets the call and they find out that whole party takes off to go, go see the body on the football field. I'm like, so starved for attention. And then the girls in the bathroom talking shit about Sydney while Cindy, Sydney's mm-hmm. hiding. I was like, we are the worst. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, let's see. I had also read that. Ghostface costume uh, initially like during pre-production was going to be white to be more ghostly but then that was scrapped so it didn't look so clanny and I was like see that's probably a good idea thinking yeah <laughs> thinking they probably had, they had it designed they had it designed and once they once the actors put it on they were like we can't do this yeah <laughs> yeah so and then I kind of read you know like Wes Craven had you know by this point in his career not really doing so much horror and everything and one of the things that I read as to why Wes uh, decided to do this movie was it was specifically some 10-year-old fan basically called him out that he's, his movies weren't scary enough. 
and they need to be scary like the last house on the left and i was like what fucking 10 year old is watching that movie yeah no 10 year old should be watching last house on the left <laughs> i've seen it twice and that's enough <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> such a hard intense. fucking watch but basically uh kind of the story goes was that you know not specifically a 10 year old fan but kind of horror fans in general just wanting west to come back and do yeah. something legit like more scary than God, what was the last thing you did before this i think it may have been like a uh, new nightmare i love that movie oh yeah that's oh a good me one. too that well, is a good one but I'm there was if that, the it music like... from the heart was like a non-horror movie he did with oh. um with meryl streep oh okay god i can't picture those two working together for some <laughs> reason <laughs> oh i love but it i like that they did yeah <laughs> that's cool all right. Well, let's see. That does it for me for my stray bubble. So we will go ahead and move on to the six degrees of Nicolas Cage Scream Edition. And that's where we get to Nicolas Cage in six steps or less from this movie. So, Aaron, how did you do? I think I did. This was I think this was very easy. Okay. Um, so and there's another way you could connect this to connect. But um, Nev, I used Nev Campbell, who was in an episode of Medium with Patricia Arquette, who was in Bringing Out the Dead with Cage, and was also, of course, married to him. Oh. And, of course, David Arquette is Patricia Arquette's brother, too. So you can just do that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very nice. Yeah, that's good. Oh, that's very a really good. good one. Eric? I am embarrassed <laughs> to say that this one was really hard for me, and I thought it was going to be super easy because we had this all-star cast, basically. I was like, someone here has got to be linked to Nick Cage somehow. <laughs> And I had a really tough time finding something. So what I found, I don't know fully counts as a six degrees, but it's what I got. Okay. <laughs> so Courtney Cox was, of course, one of the stars in the hit series Friends. And uh, co-starring with her, of course, was Jennifer Aniston, one of the biggest stars in the world. Uh, last year, Jennifer Aniston uh, was featured in a documentary called Success F the called the Success Formula, where basically uh, it was uh, created by the director Alex Davidson, who would speak with athletes, world class chess players, and actors to find out how do they find success. And included in this was Nicolas Cage, <laughs> giving an interview about how he found success as a young actor the struggles that he went through and how he almost gave up on acting due to addiction. So this was the closest I could come to finding a six degrees. So I'm sorry no, if that's, it doesn't count. No, that's really good. You got to Nicolas Cage. It counts. So Yay. <laughs> no, that was good. Um, so I only have one today because in true me fashion, it was like 11 o'clock and I was like, fuck, I got to do my six degrees. <laughs> I don't know why uh, I need to stop doing shit like that to myself or I wait till the last minute, but I work well under pressure. <laughs> oh, I cry too. Anyways, so my oh. six degrees, <laughs> my laughing or crying, I don't know. No, it's a line from Gilmore Girls. Suki says it. Um, so my six degrees, I used David Arquette. Um, he was in the movie Airheads with Steve Buscemi, who was in Con Air with Nicolas Cage. Oh, that's a good Boom. one. Oh. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> All right. And lastly, what has been streaming in your bubble, Aaron? Well, uh, pretty much all horror prep for the podcast. I've just finished watching all of the Child's Play movies, rewatching them, and then uh, the Chucky series. I haven't watched any of the new season, but fantastic. The Chucky series is, is so, it good? So, so, so good. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Okay. It's so good. 
Uh, so if you're a fan of Child's Play at all or Chucky, I would definitely recommend that. Um, I, of course, have been, I, I love the Purge series. It's the closest to torture porn I can handle. I, I love it. I know people think it's trash, but I love it. We're covering that too. So I've been watching that. Um, I, of course, want to plug always go watch the movie Barbarian. It is a fantastic horror film. It's going to be on HBO Max starting October 25th. I think it's better to see it in a theater, but if you're not comfortable going to the theater, I understand. It's fantastic. Um, I think this is a great year for horror. I just want to say it's an amazing year for horror so far. Got that, Black Phone, all these amazing things coming out. I haven't seen it yet, but Michael Myers is my absolute favorite horror villain. And I haven't, I'm seeing Halloween ends. I will have seen it by the time this drops. So shout out to that, even though Jen broke my heart because she's never watched a Halloween movie. I collect Michael Myers stuff. Laurie Strode is <laughs> no, my favorite final girl. <laughs> and Wait, so. You've never seen a Halloween movie? Not from, not, I've never sat down and watched wow. one from beginning to end. Now I've seen bits oh, and pieces and, oh. and everything all throughout and Aaron's shaking her head at me. She's not even looking at the camera anymore. <laughs> nope. It just breaks my heart when you said, when I saw that Shame. yesterday, because I actually had muted the word Halloween, like right after that, mm. because I don't want to get spoiled and which you can watch on Peacock, but I want to see it in the theater. And I, I was like, seriously, I almost erased you from every single guest. <laughs> And she would have deserved it, Aaron. <laughs> I, I know. I, I, I have no real reason. I mean, it just, it was always kind of, it just felt like it was always there, present, and I've always seen clips and here and there, and I, I just, I don't have a good reason for never really getting into into that one. Well, you need to watch it and do an episode. <laughs> talk about it. So my buddy Dozer that I do the original versus remakes with, we've, we've kind of jokingly discussed covering the Halloweens, but like, cause doesn't Rob Zombie direct one yes. of them and Ugh, they need to yes. stop letting him direct shit. He made it. Yes. So that, and he, and that, and Dozer doesn't care for Rob Zombie directed movies either. So mm. that's kind of one reason why uh, we've been that. And just like the undertaking and the fact that our schedules don't mesh, but um yeah, I'll I'll watch them. Maybe I'll marathon it and live tweet as I go through as a first time viewer of any of the Halloween <laughs> series. I think you should. Tis uh, the season. Tis the season. So, Eric, what's been streaming in your bubble? Well, I have been doing 32 days of Halloween this year. Mm -hmm. So, it started on the 30th of September, and I've watching at least one horror or horror related film or show leading up to October 31st. And I'm sure it's going to go well beyond that, but still I want to do it because I've never actually done something like that before. And I have been great about it so far. Nice. So um, I won't tell you everything, but just to give you some, some examples and all of this I've streamed except for scream. I ended up finding the DVD that I told you that I knew I oh, had. Nice. So I have, I found it in a box, but um, so I started off my 32 days of, Halloween with uh, Hocus Pocus 1 and 2, which I'm not the biggest Hocus Pocus fan, but my wife loves it, and uh, I thought 2 was all right. So, um, yeah, started off with that. Then, you know, uh, throughout the last, what's the day today, 15, 16 days, I've been, uh, I've watched both Adam's Family movies, uh, Values and the original. 
Um, I have watched the new Monsters movie directed by Rob Zombie. Oh, I'm so hey, sorry. Hey, that was a passion project right there, and I loved it. I I, I thought it was good, but... Okay. I'm weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm weird. Uh, of course, Scream. I watched Scream. That wasn't a stream, but still, I still checked it out. I still watched it for the show. Um, what else? Jeez. Uh, one of the days that I almost went to bed without watching anything, it was like 930 at night. I was like, I looked at Anastasia. I was like, I got to go to bed in an hour. I was like, we got to watch something horror related. What do we have? So I watched a couple episodes of Treehouse of Horrors on Disney Plus. So nice. that was great. Nice. It was some good filler. Nightmare Before Christmas, of course. Corpse Bride I watched as well. Sleepy Hollow I've watched. And you know what? I'll stop right there. I've watched a whole <laughs> lot more. Okay. I was going to say, I thought you said you weren't going to list them all off. I think you were getting close to 15. I, 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 felt, I felt it coming. <laughs> well, right on. That's awesome. I think that's, I think that's a lot of fun to do what you're doing, like a horror movie, seasonal movie of the, you know, a day for yeah, X yeah. number of days. So I, uh, I've been watching some spooky stuff as well. Um, I watched Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Um, Because I love the books. Timmy has his original trilogy set of the books, and I have mine. So uh, I watched it, and then... So that's a movie that exists. Yes, it is. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, because I watched it for my Guillermo del Toro episode, and it was my first time watching it, yeah. Yeah, uh, the only one that really, really got me was obviously the spider one with uh, that i just i couldn't handle that just because i have a thing a, a fear of spiders ironically enough my costume for halloween this year is spider themed i have spider web leggings <laughs> i have like a, a black poncho with like sequins uh to make like a little spider web and then i got like this cute little <laughs> headband thing so it's got like a spider that looks like it's sitting on like a shiny that's like kind of like a netted <laughs> you know spider web type thing and it's like really kind of cute and that spider's got like beady red eyes so any psychology majors out there want to know want to let me know what the fuck that's all about why i'm so afraid (laughs) of spiders and then why i have to go as something spider related that's funny um (laughs) uh so yeah i i watched that and then i also watched on amazon prime uh my best friend's exorcism um i had read the book and i really enjoyed the book i love that author grady hendrix um so that's also a movie that exists. Uh, let's see. Other than that, still going through my Game of Thrones rewatch, staying current on House of the Dragon. Um, I, I watched the first episode of season three of Dairy Girls, and so I'm kind of taking my time with that, knowing that it's the last season. I fucking love that show so much. I love those. I love those girls. I love that cast. I love the show. I love the time period it takes place in. Made my husband watch it. He really likes just, like, the time period and the place and everything. He likes kind of, like, the history component to it, but he also likes some of the characters. And so when we finished, I was like, you two are a dairy girl. And he's just like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) So. All right. Well, thank you both so much for joining me today. I had a blast talking about this movie. I'm so glad that we got to this was the first movie and then now that's what i call a 90s movie series Mm -hmm. um that i'm doing um yeah eric thank you for joining me aaron thank you for joining me if you want to go ahead and promote your stuff one last time you may do so okay uh well my podcast is it's a fandom thing you can find us on facebook facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod twitter fandom thing pod no it's in that one 
Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod, TikTok at it's a fandom thing pod. We have a website, it's a fandom thing pod.com. We are doing horror movies for October. Um, we did Asian horror, we did Guillermo del Toro, we did we did uh Sex and the Vampire, we did The Lost Boys, and we're doing Child's Play, um, Final Destination series, and uh, the Purge movies, like I said, and then horror movies about cults. So that's what cool. we have coming up. So you can find us on any any podcast platform, even the ones that Jen hates. <laughs> Very cool. I'm not on Pandora because Pandora hates me. It's, <laughs> it's become personal, damn it. <laughs> All and right. Jen? Yes, what? Be- before we go, <laughs> be- before we go, I would just like to ask one question to both of you, just kind of in uh, as an honor to this movie, to this movie and to the <gasps> show that we just did today. So my question to the two of you is, what is your favorite scary movie? Aaron, you may go ahead. Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> Original. Yes. This is why it also breaks me breaks my heart even more that Jen. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh, God, my favorite. Well, I mean, how can one pick a favorite out of a hundred years, over a hundred years of cinema? <laughs> <laughs> That's such a Lorelai Gilmore answer, too, I feel. <laughs> That's a Nicolas Cage answer from The Unbearable Weight of Massive yes. Talent. Is it really? <laughs> yes. Eric! I don't remember. Hey, I only oh, my it God! Once. I watched it once. <laughs> I'm getting ready for my second watch through it, watching like Monday or something. I know we're recording on it next weekend, and I'm just like, shame, shame. No, <laughs> thank you, Aaron, for understanding that reference. Um, <laughs> I love that movie. Um, uh, but yeah, it's really hard for me to pick a favorite. So, but one that I will always love will be um, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Like I said, I'm a Freddy girl. Nice. And then another one that is just high on my list is uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. And that's, oh, nice. I love that it, that movie. The most terrifying thing about that movie are the people and humans and not knowing and the way we react and behave when we uh, are afraid and just don't know what the fuck is going on. Right on. So I love that movie. Also, I can stare at Kurt Russell all day long, past (laughs) Kurt Russell. And even like, so he plays like Santa in some Netflix Christmas Chronicle movies and they're really, really cute. And then Goldie Hawn plays Mrs. Claus and she has more of a role in the second one. But I was like, I was like, damn, Santa sexy. <laughs> well, well, I'm glad to hear that you do like John Carpenter films and that it's not because of John Carpenter that you haven't seen Halloween. Because I would be even more disappointed if you said you didn't like John Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, 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 no. It's just, like I said, I don't have a good, like, there isn't a specific reason. I just, <laughs> I'm I just going to give you a hard time about this until you do because it well, breaks my, it's I'm, only because I, it's because I love, as you know, I have like so much, so much Michael Myers merch eric it's like ridiculous how much michael Myers stuff that's awesome so that's why it makes me so sad (laughs) well and now when i see michael myers thing i'm like oh you know i think of you aaron i'm like oh you'd really like that but i'm like at this point god knows you might already have it (laughs) like a mug or something you know like any michael myers stuff (laughs) so i just assume you already have it it me no it doesn't matter get sent it (laughs) eric what's your favorite then yeah my favorite scary movie, believe it or not, is the original Blair Witch Project. Really? <laughs> yep. Not a lot of people nice. like that style of movie, and I have to agree, for the most part, the sh- the, the, the shaky cam uh, films are way overdone, so, but they could be done right, depending mm-hmm. on who's directing them. But that movie, what I love the, about it is it came out 
when the internet was just becoming relevant and how they used to promote that movie on the internet was pure fucking genius because they promoted it as if these three people went truly missing and nobody knew that I think until the MTV movie awards mm-hmm. that next year, as far as the more, more the general public did not know that these people mm-hmm. were just making a movie. Yep. And yes. that's what I love about it. And just, it, it's just something about being out in the wilderness, you know, and you're surrounded by the unknown and just the idea of getting lost. It's so, to me, I hate to me getting lost. Really, I mean, at least it used to really creep me out. It's really impossible almost to get lost nowadays unless you have don't have a charger uh, with you. But still, just the idea of it is just so cool. And I loved the way that the movie is set, the tone, the characters, the way they play off each other. And then that end scene where Heather goes down into the basement and she finds Josh just standing in the corner. Oh, it gets me every time. So, yeah, yeah. Blair Witch Project. So I, I'm a sucker. I love found footage to see again. I should have just said goodbye and stopped recording a minute ago, but uh, <laughs> like several minutes This is minutes the Midwest ago. goodbye. This is the Midwest goodbye. It's longer than the actual show. <laughs> I So what I love about the Blair Witch, Witch Project was, yes, the marketing, you know, the found footage. I'm a sucker for found footage movies. I completely agree. There's a lot of shit, but they're, the good ones are good. Um, and so this movie... You know, because we saw it on like a VHS. It was, quote, a bootleg copy. You know, it was and that could have been part of the marketing as well. Sure. Um, But we watched it uh, at a friend's house and yada, yada. And it totally had me totally was buying into all of it. And then but I I disagree when it came to the end and Heather finds her buddy standing there and then it just cuts off. I was like, wait, what the fuck? I was pissed off because I was like, that's it. That's the ending. Mm-hmm. I think maybe my expectations I, I wanted I think I wanted to see the witch. I wanted a little bit more murder. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I always loved the fact that we didn't though. To me, it was the mystery of the entire thing that made it so creepy. That sure. was a, you know? Yeah. But yeah, um, I, I didn't so I didn't really like the ending because it, I was more confused than anything and then I was just kind enough. of irritated after that. But I was still thinking that it was um all real footage and yeah it wasn't until it was like a couple months after its release i think it came out that it was um you know the promotion and stuff and everything was all fake and then yeah when i saw them on the mtv movie awards and they came out on stage i was like that's actually pretty fucking brilliant Mm -hmm. um and as (laughs) i actually liked the second the sequel to blair witch (laughs) a little bit more i never saw the sequel because i was like it, yeah, it's okay. It's yeah. it takes quite the turn and everything, and it's not done. Anyways, it's it, it's a movie that exists. <laughs> there, was a 20, there was a 2016 version that came out as well that went back yeah. to the found footage shaky cam uh, style, and it's all right, you know. But they threw more special effects into it, so mm-hmm. I felt like that kind of took away from what the original Blair Witch gave off because. There's no CGI. The only special effects really are people on the outside of the tent scratching at mm-hmm. it at the middle of the night. Yeah. So, well, all right. I guess I I should actually wrap this up. So, again, thank you, Tolerables, for joining me today. And thank you, Bubblies, for listening. And keep streaming. Bye. 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 If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to let me know by rating and reviewing wherever you get your podcast fix. Follow me on Twitter at Streaming Bubble. Find me on Facebook and Instagram as My Streaming Bubble. 
Have thoughts, suggestions, questions, or want to be tolerated? Email me at mystreamingbubble at gmail.com. If you want to show your love and support for this little old podcast in monetary form, search My Streaming Bubble over at buymeacoffee.com and buy me a cheese wedge. And if you want to take that love and support to the next level, head over to Redbubble where you can find and purchase My Streaming Bubble merch. All monetary support goes right back into this podcast from new recording equipment to night cheese. Thanks for your support and keep streaming.